0: book of Esther is uh, it is one of the two books in the Bible that's named after a woman. Can anybody tell me what the other book is? Ruth. The book of Ruth is the other book. Uh, there, is, there is a lot of controversy over the book of Esther, believe it or not, as I begin to study it, even over the title of it. Uh, I got one of, the, one of my favorite men to read after, John Butler. He argues that it should be called the book of Mordecai instead of the book of Esther. His reason for that is Mordecai is mentioned more than Esther is in this book. In fact, we do not even read about Esther or Mordecai in chapter number 1. Mordecai's name is mentioned 58 times uh, in the book of Esther, while Esther is only mentioned 56 times. They are cousins, and we'll get to that. Most people believe that Mordecai wrote this book and that he named it after Esther to honor her bravery and heroics on behalf of the Jewish people, but no one knows for certain. The book of Esther covers about a 10-year uh, span of time, and the setting of this book is about 53 years after the Jews returned out of Babylonian captivity. To kind of give you a book perspective of that, it's about 53 years after the book of Ezra, and so that's where Esther is found. Uh, it, is about, it is about 20 years Excuse me, 38 years before the book of Nehemiah. So if that kind of gives you a little timeline, uh, uh, of the book, even though the Jews had been brought out of the Babylonian captivity, not all of the Jews returned to Israel. In fact, there were many that remained, uh, in Persia and in Babylon. They got content living in that area. And truly that can, that can become the case. You can get content and you can become stagnant living uh, in a place where God never meant for you to be. But they got comfortable and did not want to leave. Such is the case of Esther and Mordecai in our story. Now, I've entitled this little series of the book of Esther, The God Who Works Behind the Scenes. The reason I've titled that is because as you read the book of Esther, you won't find the name God mentioned anywhere. In fact... It is one of two books in the Bible where God is not mentioned. Does anybody know the second book? I didn't either. That's Song of Solomon. God is not mentioned by name in Song of Solomon. But even though you do not see the name of God mentioned in the book of Esther, you certainly see his fingerprints. You certainly see his providential hand. There's been a lot of argument on why is God's name left out of this this book. James Knox says, one of the reasons suggested for the absence of God's name was that half a century before Cyrus had issued a proclamation permitting the Jews to return to Palestine. No Jews should have remained in Persia, yet many of the Jews are far too comfortable in the land of exile, and they remained, they didn't want to go into Canaan and have to rebuild. And so they remained in their contented and complacent spot. The Lord said in Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 16, And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land." Whether they go to be among them and will forsake me and break my covenant which I made with them, then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them and hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these the evils come upon us because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they have shall have wrought in that they have turned. Unto other gods. And so, one of the reasons surmising is God has hid himself from Israel, from these Jews, because they did not obey the word of the Lord. Now, the purpose of this book of Esther tonight is even though we don't see God's name, but we see God's providence. That word providence simply means to provide in advance. Amen. And aren't you glad He is the God who can go before your problem? He can go before your situation. He can go beyond your issue and he can provide in advance. That's what he did for Elijah. He said, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. He said he had commanded the ravens to feed Elijah with bread and meat. He is the God that can provide in advance. This book of Esther teaches us about God's power. As we go through this book, you're going to see the hand of God doing things. And you got and you can look back and say, boy, that's odd. No, that's not odd. That's just God. Amen. And then it teaches us about God's pity, if you would. It teaches us that even though they were not living where they're supposed to be, they were not what they were supposed to be, they were not who they were supposed to be, but God still had mercy and God still was faithful to them. The book of Esther I want to look at tonight. I've got a heading over each chapter, and we'll dig into chapter 1. But I want us to see the hand of God working behind the scenes. Tonight in chapter 1, we see God working behind the scenes in the character of Vashti. The character of Vashti. So let's begin. Look at verse number 1 of Esther chapter 1. Now it came to pass in the days of Harassus, this is Harassus which reigned, Uh, from India, even Ethiopia, over 107 and 20 provinces that in those days when King Ahasuerus sat on the throne of his kingdom, which was in Shusham the palace. Immediately we are introduced to this king in the book named Ahasuerus. Now this name Ahasuerus was more like a title than it was a name much like Herod or Pharaoh. You remember Pharaoh and Herod, they were just titles of leadership and they had their own name. Herod was Antipas. There was Herod Antipas. There was Herod Antipas II and things of that nature. This man's name was actually Xerxes. And what I love about this, his name means the Lion King. Thought about the movie, thought about uh, Hakuna Matata and all that stuff, all right? I don't know if that's where Disney got the idea for the Lion King, but I thought it was interesting. The things you find reading the Strong's Concordance, it meant the Lion King, all right? And this man, Xerxes, he reigned from Ethiopia, uh, which is in today's geographic, from India to Ethiopia, which in today's geographic layout, listen to this: what this guy rolled over. Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, Syria, Turkey, Lebanon, Israel, West Jordan, most of Egypt, North Sudan, Northeast Libya, Northeast Greece, the Black Sea, the coast of Bulgaria, and Southwest Russia, and part of Rowan County just to make sure you was listening, all right? Needless to say, he had a large kingdom, had much wealth and responsibility. In this text, he is in Shushan, where his palace was. It was the Rock of Ages Study Bible. If you have one of those, tells us that emperors usually spent their winters in Babylon and the summers there in Shushan. Look at verse number 3. In the third year of his reign, he made a feast unto all the princes and his servants, the power of Persia and Media, and the nobles and the princes of the provinces being before him, which he showed the riches of his glorious kingdom, and the honor of his excellent majesty many days, even a hundred and four score days." As these verses unfold, we find that he's been reigning for three years and he invites all those represented from all those nations that I mentioned, all those princes, all those servants, all those represented. He invites them to Shushan, where he's at and they are going to have a feast. This feast lasted for 180 days. Can you imagine such a banquet? One writer estimates this feast cost millions and millions of dollars. He is showing off his riches and his wealth. What we learn about this man Xerxes is he was a man that was lifted up in pride. He was a man that was lifted up in arrogance. He thought that because he had a lot of money and because he had a lot of riches, as we will see later on in this chapter, he could do what he wanted to do. He could be what he wanted to be and nobody could disagree with him. The Bible said in Proverbs 29, 23, that a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. It is also believed that it was during this feast, if you study out history, that he was planning his preparation for the invasion of Greece, which would take place in 481 B.C., Look at verse number 5. And when these days. Don't worry. It's going to get picking up as we go. We're just trying to get in the opening verses. Verse number 5. And when these days were expired. The king made a feast on the, all the people that were present in Shushan, the palace. Both under the great and the small seven days. in the court of the garden of the king's palace. Verse 6. Where were white green and blue hangings fastened with cords of fine linen and purple to silver rings and pillars of marbles. The beds were of gold and silver upon the pavement of red and blue and white and black and marble. What decorations he had there. I'm talking about all these hangings to get a further perception of the wealth of of the Persian Empire. He had all of these hangings, all of these drapes. I hate curtains. I really hate hanging curtains. I really hate hanging curtains when my wife is present. Up, down, over. No, that's not right. And they make them curtain rods out of the flimsiest stuff. You can't get it straight. They never put the stud the same place in the wall. You can't get it in. I tell you, I mean, if we ever get a divorce, it'll be over hanging curtains. So can you imagine the people that hung this stuff? I'm talking about large stuff. And and in the context of these verses, he's had a 180-day feast, and now he's added seven more days to it, and he's invited the public to come in, showing off his wealth. Think about this. uh, The pavement was red, blue, and white, and black marble. And he had couches and beds made out of gold and silver, not like what you and I have. You know, we we have stuff that's gold, but it's spray-painted gold. That we bought at Kirkland's and Hobby Lobby. All right? This is made out of solid, pure gold. Stuff they're sitting on and sleeping on made of gold and silver. And so we find, look at verse number 7. At this feast, and they gave them drink and vessels of gold. The vessels being diverse from another. That means everybody had their own. And the royal wine in abundance according to the state of the king. And the drinking was according to the law. None did compel. For so the king had appointed to all and the officers of his house that they should do according to every man's pleasure. Here's where the story begins to pick up. They're having this party, having this banquet. And he opens up the wine cellars. He gives everybody a golden glass, if you would. And they were to drink according to the law. This law refers to the law of the Persians. And here's what their law was. Drink as much as you want. Sounds like America, don't it? America drank 6 billion gallons of beer last year and they're still drinking away and they say that we need to do something and they have these ads on TV about cigarettes and about alcohol and about lottery tickets and at the end they always have that little fine line at the bottom if you need help with this call this number well if you wouldn't advertise and sell the stuff they wouldn't have to call that number we find that he 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 told him, said, "Now look, you don't have to drink. None was compelled to drink, but if you want to, you can drink as much as you want." want or remind you of something like wine and alcohol has never done anybody any good. The Bible said in Proverbs 20, verse 1, that wine is a mocker, and strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. The Bible said in Proverbs 23, verse 20, Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come into poverty, and the drowsiness shall clothe a man with rags. You know, sadly, there are even so many, some um, uh, so called ministers of the gospel that are now condoning social drinking. They say, I read an article yesterday, they say it's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk. That's like saying it's all right to jump in that swimming pool as long as you don't get wet. Ain't, ain't that goofy? And I'm telling you, if you've ever... and it, it amazes me, people that are okay with with drinking alcohol and drinking wine as long as that a wedding or a funeral. I, I don't know why you drink at a funeral. Uh, yeah, I know why you would. You have to see family. <laughs> How many's ever had it? Never mind. All right, I, I'm just telling you, uh, the, the, the 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 best way to never get drunk is never to drink. We believe in total absences. And, and, and amazing preachers used to preach on that, and and you think, man, you got to preach on alcohol, but you really got to do now because people want to take a little bit to help them sleep at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called a hard day's work to help you sleep at night. Amen, yeah. hey hey amen. Go split you some wood, you'll sleep real well. Hey amen. Get you a push and mow the churchyard, you'll sleep for three days. <laughs> I'm just telling you tonight. People use that as an excuse. Well, the Bible said, take a little wine for thy stomach's sake. Well, you're not Timothy and I'm not Paul. Somebody said, well, you know, and I the classic one. Jesus made wine. Well, if you make it like Jesus makes it, help yourself. Yeah. He went and found them dirty barrels where people have been washing their hands and told the governors of the feast to drink out of that. So go find you some dirty jug somewhere where people have been washing their hands and you can drink that and help yourself. Amen. I, uh... Several years ago, I was called to someone's house, and, and they they knew I knew by their testimony they was an alcoholic. They was a drunk. I don't like to use the term alcoholic. I like to say drunk because that's what it is. Alcoholism is not a disease, amen. Uh, it, it's cigarettes and all that's not a disease because you can go buy it. You can't go buy cancer, or well, you can if you buy cigarettes. And so I went over to his house, me and one of the men from the church, and. And he was, he, was, he was drunker and a bald owl. And he's sitting there and, and, he's, and he was listening to some gospel music. And I talked to him for a few moments. And, and he said, I want to get right with God. I said, you do? I said you, you, I said, you really want to get right with God? He said, I sure do. I'm tired of living like this. I said, okay. It was December. I'll never forget it. it was snowing. It was starting to snow that night. I said, where's your beer? He had some in the refrigerator. Just bought several. It was Friday. had several packs. I said, get it out. And so we went out and we poured it all out. I said, now where's the rest of it? He said, the rest of it. I said, oh yeah, there's more of it somewhere. He went out to the building, had a, had a Yeti full, poured it. He was drunk. He don't even remember doing it. We poured it all out that night. So I, said, mom, I called my mom the next day and told her. She said, you poured all that drunk man's beer out. He said, you know what he was doing. I said, well, he wasn't going to drink that that night, amen. said, exactly right. Amen. I'm telling you, it does nobody any good. And as we read on in this story, look at verse number 9. And Vashti, the king, queen, made a feast for the women in the royal house which belonged to King Ahasuerus. Now, ladies, y'all think, y'all think that things are hard on you now? In these days, the men and the women did not attend the same feast. They were not allowed to. The men had their own feast, and the ladies had their own feast. I guess it was like the men had a men's meeting, the ladies had a ladies' meeting. I guess what it was. And Vashti, the queen, she, she made this feast, and, and women in this culture, uh, they were to be silent. They were to be, and y'all think I preach on modesty hard. Listen to what these women had to wear. They were to be covered with large blue capes. They wore linen veils with eye holes. In fact, you couldn't even see their hair to identify them. It's like seeing trash bags walk around with holes in them couldn't recognize them. And they could not. Think about this. Husbands and wives could not call one another by their name, only in private. Men could not speak of their wives in the presence of men. And America thinks that the women are under attack and, and downgraded. Now, I'm going to tell you who downgraded women is Satan. When he would when he come to that woman in the garden and say, Yea, hath God said, and he went after that woman. Verse number 10, And on the seventh day, when the heart of the king was married, with wine, he commanded, uh, he commanded, uh, Mehuman and Bizan, and Harbonan, Bigthan, and Abithan, and Zerathan, Carcass. He had some weird friends. The seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus, the king, to bring Bashti, the queen, before the king, with the crown royal, to show the people and the princess her beauty, for she was fair to look upon. Now watch where alcohol leads. It always leads to immorality. The king is now drunk. He commands his servants, known as the chamberlains, he said, Go get my wife and bring her in here to stand before all my guests so they can see her beauty. Most Bible commentators agree that the king was requesting that she came out unclothed so that they could lust after her and be, be burning in their hearts with the wickedness of their lust. So I said, Preacher, the Bible don't say that. Well, if she was wearing her proper attire, they would not have been able to identify her. By the way, that's where always where alcohol leads is immorality. Every time, Matthew 14, when Herod was drunk and the daughter of Herodias danced before him, he was so drunk that it pleased him well. He said, I'll give you up to half of the kingdom. You know what she wanted? She wanted the head of John the Baptist. Verse number 12, this is where the consumption of alcohol leads. We learn that a man, from this text, a man has to be out of his mind, drunk out of his mind, to want to display his wife in an immodest fashion. The king, in doing so, would provide and be guilty of providing an opportunity for lust of the wicked men, the wicked guests, to look at his wife and lust after them. I don't understand that. I don't understand in this day why a man would want his wife or want his daughters dressing in a way that other men would want to look at them and lust after them. I'm not saying they got to walk around looking like they're Amish. There's nothing wrong. But you, you can be modest and have style. Somebody say amen. But we ought to make sure that we're protecting our wives. Amen. Look at verse number 12. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore the king was very wroth and his anger burned in him. I'm not claiming that Vashti was a believer in Jehovah God. Most likely she was not. I'll tell you what I do appreciate about this lady. She had character to say, I'm not doing that. That's not right. It used to be a day and age in this country where even lost people had character. But now even some saved people don't have character. When the king heard this response, he was filled with wrath and anger. I wrote this down. Alcohol, adultery, and anger always go together. The Bible said in Proverbs 16, 32, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Look at verse number 13 through 15. Y'all all right? Just, I don't want to bore y'all. We're just walking through the verses. Then the king said unto the wise men which knew the times, for so the king's manner toward all the, knew the land, knew the law and judgment. And next to him was Kishara and Sethar and Abath and Tarshish and Maris and Mersina and, uh, uh, Mechican and the seven princes of Persia and Media, which saw the king's face, which sat at the first in the kingdom. What shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to the law? Because she hath not performed the commandment of the king of Hazarus by the chamberlains. You know what he does? He goes and he gets his buddies, if you would. He's having a problem in his marriage. And instead of going and dealing with his wife one-on-one, he goes to 7, 12 other people and talks to them about it. Can I say something to you married folks tonight? When you got trouble with one another, and by the way, if you're, mar- if you're a man you're married to a lady, and you're a lady and you're married to a man, you're going to have trouble. Man that is born of woman and is married is a full days and full of trouble. I, I added just a little bit there, all right? But I'm going to tell you what you don't need to do. Don't go running home to mama, you sissy. And don't go running home to your daddy, lady. Amen. You work it out. I'm not talking about adultery or abuse. But i tell you, if you got mad at something they said, don't get all over Facebook and put 27 emotions on how you're feeling. We don't care. At least I don't. Maybe you do. Maybe you're maybe you're consumed with other people's drama. I ain't got time. We gotta play Tennessee Saturday. I'm more nervous about that than I am anything. But people they wanna and that's why a lot of marriages don't work. It's because when one has a problem with the other one, instead of them talking and working it out, they call mom or they call daddy and complain about their spouse. And it it ain't never going to help. And mom and daddy's always going to take the side. Hey, you moms and dads you've got kids that are married, here is my advice to you. Stay out of it. Unless they're beating up on one another, if they are, call the law. (laughs) But stay out of it. I know it ain't popular, but that's right. You ain't going to be able to fix it. You got to work on your own marriage. Amen. One thing I appreciate about my mom and dad and about Wade and Linda, they have never tried to get in our business. They never have. Amen. And you need to to keep it that way. I'm not talking about adultery or abuse. but But if Ahasuerus had just went to his wife and dealt with it, but he went to everybody else and wanted to talk about it. And what that does, that breathes feelings in those people against your spouse that ain't never going to change. You're going to kiss and make up and be fine, but they're always going to have those feelings about them. And that's unwise. And it's foolish. And when and if you got kids that are married and they come complaining, say, I ain't listening to it. I ain't listening to it. Ain't none of my business. Are they beating you? No. Are they cheating on you? No. Then go work it out yourself. Amen. Verse number, verse number 16 and, and, and Mechumann, what a name, Mechuman. I even wrote his name out so I could pronounce it right. Answered before the king and the prince's vast child, the queen, hath not done wrong to the king only, but all the princes and all the people that are in the provinces of kings of Hazarus. This man, Mechaman stated, said, not only has he done you, she done you wrong, king, she done me wrong too. Why, Why would he say that? Because he was such a wicked, lustful heathen, just like the king. His lust wasn't consumed. He said, she done me wrong too. Look at verse 17. For this deed, the queen shall come abroad unto all women so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes, when it shall be reported The king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise, all the ladies of Persia and Media say this day, unto all the king's princes which have heard the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. You know what he's saying? He said the fear, this fear of the wicked man was that other women would hear that the queen said no to the wicked desires of her husband, And it would breed rebellion, which I don't consider this rebellion, but it would breed rebellion in the other ladies in the community. Verse 19, we're almost done. If it pleased the king... Let there go a royal commandment from him, and let it be written among the law of the Medes and the, the Persians and the Medes that it not be altered. That Bashai come no more before the king Ahasuerus, and let the king uh, give her royal estate into another that is better than she. And when the king's decree which shall he uh, which he shall uh, be published throughout all his empire, for it is great. All the wives shall give to their husbands honor, both to great and small. The solution that he constructed was to make a law. And that means, in Persian, means it couldn't be changed. You remember that in the book of Daniel. And here was the law was. You ready to hear this big old law? bashtai can't come to the king's house no more. They made a law for that. I wonder if you and I, that's what they did against Daniel in his prayer life in Daniel 6. You know what, I wonder if you and I have enough character in our life that somebody would have to make a law against our testimony the idea that once this law had been written and the decree had been signed that all the other women would hear about the law and they would willingly submit to the wicked desires of their husbands last two verses and the saying pleased the king and the princes and the king did according to the word of Mechaman for he sent letters in all the king's provinces and to every province according to the writing thereof and to every people after their language that every man should bear rule in his own house and that it should be published according to the language of every people. The king said, I like the idea, get it published, send it out everywhere and let them know that Vashai can't come before me no more. I put my foot down and we're going to quit this insurrection and that way we can fulfill our wicked lust and desire. Desires. That sound like America today We're going to make laws So we can fulfill the wickedness of our day It's wicked Wicked Somebody said to the preacher I got three minutes left and I'm done I hope this ain't boring Now I want to give you four lessons we learn Out of this story tonight Preacher, how do you see God working In this chapter behind the scenes Let me give you four lessons Number one we learned, lesson number one, we learned that wealth and riches does not mean you'll have a happy home. Verses 1 through 12. Ahasuerus has everything. He's putting on a banquet that lasts 187 days, costs millions of dollars, has beds made of gold and silver, glasses he's drinking out of made out of gold, had all those things, but you know he didn't have? He didn't have a happy home. Tom Brady has, what, eight Super Bowl rings? Seven or eight? He is the all-time winest quarterback of all time. But you know what happened last week? He got a divorce. Worth mil- and I don't rejoice in that, but worth millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, but he couldn't even keep his home together. The second lesson we learn, verses 13 through 16, there will always be someone that will agree with you about your sin. Ahasuerus got mad that Bashti didn't do what he wanted him to do, and so he went and complained to his buddies. You know what he found? They agreed with him. I'm going to tell you, you'll always find somebody that will agree with you about your sin. You know why they agree with you about your sin? Because they want to do the same thing you want to do. And they'll agree with you. Lesson number three. One person's character and integrity can have impact on someone else. Verse 17 and 18. You know what they were fearful about? They said, we're fearful that if word gets out about Vashti saying no to you, and her stand and her character and her commitment, that it's going to spread to other ladies throughout the land. You know, one person can make a difference. But here's the last thing we learn. Throughout all this wickedness in this chapter, God is setting the stage to bring Esther into place to be the next queen so that she might stand in a place to help deliver the Jewish people to preserve the seed line of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you can't see God in chapter 1, but I tell you, you can see Him. Because Vashti, I don't believe she's a saved woman. I don't believe she's a holy woman. But God is working behind the scenes in the character of this wicked woman to move her to the side, to bring Queen Esther in, to be an intercessor, and to preserve that seed line so that one night in Bethlehem we could hear unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. No, you may not see God working in this wicked day. There's a lot of wickedness, preacher, going on in this world. Where's God at? I'll tell you where God's at. God is behind the scenes. He is working things in His providence. He is preparing. He is working. And no, you may not see God but standing behind the scenes somewhere there is a whole and a righteous and a sovereign God that is setting things up to get prepared for His Son to show up. That's what's what's going on in the world today. Russia and all that junk. The one world government coming together. What's going on? I don't see God in all that. God's working behind the scenes. Putting world leaders in place. He's setting it all up. What's He setting it up for? For the Son to show up, thank God. He is the God that works behind the scenes. And in chapter 1, we see God working through the character of Vashti, a wicked woman, but she had character and she said no.